Hey there. Hey, what's happening? Not much. So this is going to be fun. <laughs> Let's just get into it because you don't have much time. Yeah, I think that's probably best anyway. Um, do you think I overreacted at all? I thought no. I, was, I thought I was pretty level-headed about the whole thing, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like... I didn't necessarily like agree 100% with everything, but I probably shouldn't. But I definitely did not disagree because I thought you were overreacting. I just, there were like little things here or there, but like, it was bad. I was like, you know, I was more like annoyed after this loss than I have been in a very long time. I, I only wrote two words down on a, on a notepad next to me before we started this because we're sort of rushing it through it tonight. Um, incompetence and timidness. Um, my pronunciation is probably bad tonight because I've been sick as hell for the last, uh, week. Timidness is the word. Um, I, I just read on 24 seven on, on lines 24 seven, Sean Fitz posted that the second time out that Penn State took on that opening drive was due to, uh, the play that was sent in was not on Rob Bolden's wristband. <laughs> so, uh, so I can see that, how that could be confusing. So that's offense. that's like the triple crown. There, you had one because people didn't know where to line up, one because the play sent in was not on the wristband, and the last one was just uh, I can't even remember uh, what was the last the in- one again. It was the was it the injury? We thought we were going to get the injury timeout. Yeah, did. yeah. That may have been, that may have been the second one. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> And, and what was killing me, it's not like they got up to the line and were rushing, you know, you know, hustling up to the line and just didn't get the playoff in time. You know, like the referee didn't give them that grace period of one second after the, after the clock expired. They weren't even lined up. Yeah, for, no, it was... the last it was, two. It was just kind of, it was like a clear lack of everyone. Just, I mean, everyone's just looking around at each other. There was no... There was no sense of anyone knowing what was really happening. I mean, there were, I mean, in the general sense of things, like it wasn't total chaos, but I've never seen that in a, in any Mac game that I've watched on Wednesday night or, you know, I've never, certainly never seen the Browns do it. And they, they're plagued by these types of things yeah, I mean, and have been for a decade. <laughs> the Browns are fantastic at that. Yeah. The, the, th- uh, the fourth, uh, I'm sorry. The, the third timeout was the fourth down play. Ah. Uh, where Which, uh, uh, Coley was injured on the second one, and that one, the, f- the third one, they had at least forty seconds to pick any play. And you think, you know, I'm an Eagles fan, and you see Andy Reid has this color-coded, giant laminated chart of situations and personnel groupings, and I'm sure on there somewhere is a list of I don't know five plays that we run on third or fourth and one or two. And Penn State just utterly unprepared. That's what kills me. Just unprepared for the situation. Yeah, and I, I just don't think when the decision-making is... We've talked about this for years, I guess, but it, it's not really centralized. And, and when there's somebody who decides they're going to make the decision, there's always the chance that, um, you know, no one wants to make a bold decision because either it might get overridden or they just don't want to be the guy to do that. And so... You see this on every big play, whether it's a fourth and short or, um, you know, whether whether we're talking about, you know, a field goal versus a punt situation, 
rather than, you know, you need to just make the decision and go with it. And like you said, you have a week to to decide against this team with the personnel we're playing this week, who's going in, what, you know, on is if we're inside the 42, we do it. If we're, you know, if we're at the 43, we punt. I mean, they should be math. I mean, it should be, there should be a chart for these things. There has to be a chart. And it's, it's a, an automatic timeout when Penn state's ever in a kind of a very di- yeah, like, a dicey think on your feet situation. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's just no, uh, it's it's basically the opposite of what you see LSU do, which is <laughs> which is no questions asked. You know they make the they make the decision and you just do it. You know, right? You, so I it it and you know that we've been talking a lot about that. And as embarrassing as that was, um, I was almost okay with it in the first half. I mean, obviously the the uh, the fake punt it would have been nice to have one, but there there was more kind of a general sense of of where kind of where we headed with all of this, that was probably even more discouraging than amateur hour on the first drive there. Yeah. I'm not so annoyed that they used three timeouts on the first drive as I am annoyed at what they used them for. It's not like they got up to the line of scrimmage and Alabama was loaded up in the perfect spot to just completely blow up a play. Right. We don't know. They never got up to the line. Yeah, and at at home too, it just hurts. There's no there, there's no reason to screw up the communication, and and when you mentioned it being decentralized, it, it's not only that. And I I can't even believe Galen Hall said this after the game, but he said, "Well, if Joe Paterno wants to give us some input, he writes it down on a piece of paper and slips it to one of us." Seriously. <laughs> Does, is he writing like a full play out? Is he just writing someone's name down? Is he, you know, so let's say he does that, which I don't, granted the, the camera is not on Joe Paterno the entire game, but did you see him making any, I didn't even see him talking to the other coaches up there. Did you? No, he, he was basically freeze frame and, and, you know, I will just a devil's advocate this. Go ahead. I mean, if you saw Hoke at Michigan, He's clearly managing. He's not getting into the details. Um, there's a way to effectively not be involved. He's also, whether, he's also not pretending to. Right. You no, know, it, like, the, absolutely. like the charade isn't being built that, oh, I'm, I'm getting more involved this year and oh, I'm, I'm still talking to the coaches up in the press box or whatever. Like, you know, <clears throat> if you're going to be a figurehead, be a figurehead. If you're going to be a coach, be a coach. Well, I mean, I think he, I think there's even room in the middle to be to be the you know a more high level, so to speak, um, kind of manager of of the organization. Yeah. Which which he he actually generally seems, you know, depending on depending on what you would want the ceiling to be, he doesn't seem incapable of doing that. He doesn't seem incapable of of giving Bradley what he needs to run the defense or hiring an offensive coordinator or, you know, just being, you know, a general, the general face of the program. What's but funny, we don't even know who the offensive coordinator is. And let's, let's also <laughs> give them credit for keeping us this confused for this long. Honestly. I mean, that's pretty impressive for us to have zero insight into how the offensive plays are called for years now, which you know, well, if, and the, you, if, and the, you, if you question him, you know, you don't get a straight answer. And if you question like other people in the Penn State fan base, all of a sudden you're attacking Joe Paterno. Right. And and you also, 
And then Jay complicates things. If it was two random guys up there, it would be one thing. Um, but you don't know how how you know how much credit Jay is getting, how much respect he's getting. You just don't know any of these things. If he's an arm's length kind of mercenary, then at least at least you know he's being judged on his merits. And and I've supported Jay along the way. I mean, I don't think he's he's been worthless. I don't know who is and isn't worthy of the position that they're in, but um, no, I agree with that. I don't, I don't think I've never been a person who thought Jay Paterno was the completely evil, incompetent, you know, lackey that he's, he's made out to be by a lot of people. I, th- I think he's okay. I don't think he's any more or less than that. I think he's, he think he's okay. The thing is, if, if the thing with the play calling system is, I don't even know if it's true what they're telling us. <laughs> That's the thing. Like it's so implausible and so stupid that I can't actually believe that's how they're doing it. Like if they're making this whole thing up and Jay's the one calling the plays, I fine. You know, I, I know they don't want to turn into like a Jeff Bowden situation at Florida State, but uh, come on. I mean, you can't tell me somebody as smart as Joe Paterno. Somebody who has their 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 finger on the pulse, at least historically, less so now, who had their pulse on the entire, you know, everything that goes on within the program. And that's how he's universally described by people who've been around the program for 20, 30, 40 years. You, you think this is his idea? It, it's so it's so ridiculous that I can't believe it's actually going on. Well, and you know, I this is one thing that's that's lacking in general in kind of the the Penn State uh, story is is what what has happened along the way. You know, in the in the, in the post today, we talked about we talked about a lot of things in a lot of posts today. But you know, one of the things is this idea of of game plans against big teams and at big moments. But you know, I would love to know. You know, it's one thing to look up records and rankings in, in the past, but. I would love to know, you know, what was his attitude? What was the, you know, what was the strategy in the 70s and in the 80s? And how did they call plays in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s? I have no idea. I don't know if he was super involved, if he wasn't. I don't know if, if he's ever had an experience with this, two, with this 2OC system or whether this is just a product of the personnel that he has decided to be loyal to. So, well, I mean, this started, I mean, Frank Cantor left after the 2004 season, I believe. And um, that's when Jay started sort of moving up the up the food chain, and became this sort of co-coordinator with Galen Hall. But I mean, and that's you know the first time we heard the word spread HD too, which we don't hear that much anymore, thankfully. No, but, no. Um, I don't know. I mean, it couldn't have somebody who is as, as steeped in in process and. Um, you know, simplicity. This this is a guy, Joe Paterno, said if you take care of the little things, the big things take care of themselves. You can you can look up an entire book of Joe Paterno quotes and then say, okay, how does it compare with how they call these plays now? And it, it, you would imagine it's some completely different person. These are, these are simple details. These, these aren't even comp- – we're not talking X's and O's here. We're talking about, you know, if I need to get you a message in 30 seconds – I'm not going to run it through three other people. Via a napkin. Via, right. <laughs> it, it's, just, it's just so dumb as to be impossible. And he couldn't have not had control of these things before. And maybe, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you don't get to where he is without being able to, to handle those things. But at the same time, 
I don't know. I mean, they called plays for a very long time without headsets and, and, you know, maybe the, maybe the playbook, maybe Jay's overcomplicating the playbook beyond what, what Joe's used to, yeah, yeah, to being know, able to intervene know, with. I don't know about that. Or maybe he doesn't know the terminology and all that stuff, but, but even, you know, he would still grab McQuarrie every once in a while when he was still on the sidelines and, and basically say, I want to do this every once in a while. Um, I don't know. And, and, and poor Mike McQuarrie, you know, he, 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 <laughs> he looks so angry, <laughs> frustrated. <laughs> this is, I'm going to start coughing now. Um, he, he, he's spent years and years now. I mean, we're the same age. He's, he's been on that staff pretty much since he got out of college. He spent years being like the, the weird redheaded guy that Joe Paterno screams at. Like that was his job. And, you know, Paterno is, is now sort of uh, relegated to the press box. And he's probably thinking, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> you know, this is, this is going to be awesome. I'm not going to be yelled at. I can do my job. I don't have, I only have to listen to people, you know, talking to players and listening to the headset. No, no Joe screaming in my ear every six plays. And he's just so completely overwhelmed. I mean, you, you look at him on the sideline and there's, well, the thing is, there's nobody else down there. Galen Hall's in the box. Jay Paterno's in the box. Joe Paterno's in the box. I think Dick Anderson's upstairs. I don't know where Bill Kenny is, but that's that's your entire offensive uh, coaching staff. That's yeah, all. And he, he seems he seems inherently anyway, you know, like he could make a good kind of uh, central control, making sure the trains are all yeah know, crossing yeah. paths without running into each other. But I don't think he's incompetent. I think he's overwhelmed. Yeah. And that, and that again, though, needs, I mean, why, why that isn't talked about before these games? I mean, why? I, I don't know. It, it's, it, it boggles my mind. It's almost like they're, um, they're kind of not worrying about the process until they get there. Yeah. It, it, it has that feeling to it. They've all, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, they, everyone has kind of planned their piece, but there, there's no one that's, that's really making sure that, uh, that you know you have person A going now, person B going now, and how how they relate, which is which is kind of, and you know just I'm not even sure this is really the fundamental issue anyway, of, about what you know. About no, what's going I, I think it's it's think it's the most prominent symptom of a larger problem. Yeah, you know, I I just don't. I I think the attention to detail in general is sort of lacking. And this is sort of the most obvious manifestation of that. Yeah, and it, you also, you just get the sense, I mean, one of the things that was nice about having having McGloin in there last year, and we're not seeing it, we're not seeing the, the golf as much this year, but he, he did seem to kind of, you know, people looked at him and he would make a decision and he would kind of, with a calm face, be able to, to communicate and get up to the line. Let and, me... Oh, and Bolton's young, and so I, I, I hate to, I hate to not, you know, to expect too much. But let me say something really totally nice about Matt McGloin. Uh, I'm sorry for cutting you off. Um, when the, uh, during the first time out, McGloin knew right away that Allen Robinson was lined up improperly. He should have been a step forward and, and been on the line of scrimmage. Um, uh, one other thing about that, and, and somebody pointed this out online on, on one of the message boards today as well. If you're running a two receiver set. On the very first drive of the game, 
why is your true freshman like number six receiver <laughs> on the field? You know, just just asking. But back to McGloin, I mean, he, he knows, like, he has more of a football mind at this stage than Bolden does. You know, he, he can be that sort of coach on the field figure. Like, if we put McGloin's sort of institutional knowledge in the Bolden, I think you come up with a decent enough quarterback. McGloin just doesn't have the physical capabilities, which, you know, yeah. not his fault. Not his fault that they keep running him out there, but... You know, he's he's sort of catching the hell of it, um, which which I think is unfair. Incidentally, um, I don't. You know, it's not his. You know, he he was he, he has the arm that he has. You know. Yeah, and I I told you that offline, and I think everyone is being fair. But my biggest fear with all of this is just that that Bolden will get any ill deserved. I mean. It's a pretty fantastic story, frankly, to be a walk-on quarterback with, with his oh, kind of yeah. natural ability, so to speak, and, and to be where he is. I mean, and he, hasn't, he hasn't been t- – I mean, he, he led a comeback against Northwestern, which Northwestern was not a terrible team. He, he did win games against, you know, Big Ten teams that, um, that all – you know, none of which offered him a scholarship. So I, I don't think – or to the best of my knowledge anyway. Yeah, McClain's story is a success story. And nothing that nothing, nothing bad that has happened to the team has been the result of McGloin doing anything improper. No, from a from I mean, other than in pure physical. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, know, I, I know exactly what you mean. Kind of yeah. So I, I I would hate for any of. You know any of this stuff that this kind of charade that is, that we're going on, which I I don't know if you noticed the line completely, you know. And terrifyingly crashed today. I, I heard about that. What it started off at what six and a half, then went up to ten, and now it's back to what seven and a half. Yeah, I, I haven't been able to to find the six and a half from from any of the kind of high stakes <coughs> books, which isn't to say that it wasn't there. That yeah, that yeah. some of the lower stakes books didn't offer six and a half, but it certainly settled for an extended period of time between nine and a half and ten and a half, and then today, after we, Joe said he was going to keep playing both quarterbacks. Exactly. Whether I mean, it went back down. Cause, causation and correlation. It was and about that, that time in the day. Like I, I, I saw it. I saw it on my, uh, my Twitter timeline that it, it was about that time of the day. Where we're like, oh shit, the line's falling now. Yeah, and so here we are with a, an effective home game against, you know, a MAC team with a first year first year coach and and a, a spread that's a half a point over a touchdown. So. Yeah. That's I'll scary be there. stuff. I will be there on Saturday, and um, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I expect Penn State. I mean, Temple has been very impressive in their first two games. They've played probably the worst team in the MAC, and the worst team that Villanova has has fielded in in a decade. So they'll have confidence. I mean, certainly they've they've outscored their opponents like eighty three to ten, something like that. Yeah, and I think they. It's from from what I've been reading. I haven't actually seen it, other than the Temple highlights from last week. I haven't seen much, but my understanding is they're they're kind of a power run first team. And I'm, you know, I had mentioned I'm a little higher on our defense than than the consensus or or than the immediate reaction afterwards. And I I don't worry about us being able to stop that. So whether that means that they won't have other tricks up their sleeve, I mean, this is this has got to be the game for them. Um, I'm sure they want to win their conference and go to a bowl, but but you don't get a lot of these. And you know, you saw this with uh, 
with Kent and, and Alabama, I mean, those, when these MAC teams have a mm-hmm. chance to to be, you know, the App State, you, you always kind of take your chances. Temple did the same thing to Ohio State, or Toledo, excuse me, did yeah. the same thing to Ohio State. We have to figure Temple at least smells blood. You know, they, they see vulnerability in Penn State's offense for, for sure. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, and, I mean, there's probably no way of, of measuring this until we actually just see the game. But uh, Penn State's mindset early, whether yeah. it be, you know, a road no- noon game. <laughs> yeah, I'm losing it. Uh, a road noon game, and and we'll, we'll see. And they've been better on the road the last few years, but I mean, they, certainly Penn State was pointing towards that Alabama game for a long, long time, and yeah. it went bad quickly. It, it went very bad, and then you also don't know the sentiment of the team, <laughs> whether whether they do or don't want you know quarterback a or quarterback b and right and you know and the and the other thing the one negative i will say about bolden is he he doesn't seem completely comfortable or confident with the fact that he may get kind of subbed in for a series or two i don't think any quarterback would be yeah i just no that that's that's totally fair that's a totally fair point i, I just wonder if um it affects kind of his focus in the way that you know you wish it didn't. Yeah. Well, and, and that's one of the things I mentioned in my recap is that he needs to know that he can go out there and fail and not be replaced immediately. Right. And, you know, take it's the sack. So, it's so important for sure. any young player, not just a quarterback, but anybody, anybody in any job for that matter. You know, if you're afraid to fail, you're going to. And, you know... Bolden has it's it's not like and I, I think some of the people on the website are confusing support for Bolden with saying that Bolden is this awesome quarterback because he's not. He locks on the receivers, um, he short arms some balls, he sometimes puts a little bit too much on short passes. He needs to learn how to fall down. He does need to learn he's gonna get killed. He, 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 keeps... he was doing something the other day that was very good. At least he was, instead of looking at his first read and just throwing it, which he was still doing, he was at least doing the old Vince Young, like, look at one receiver, take a quick look at another receiver, and then just run. And that's fine. You know, you can will a team down the field. Michael Robinson did that. He's, you know, he's three times the athlete Bolton is, but, you know, if, if you can just keep advancing the ball down the field... You're at least leaving yourself second and four instead of second and ten, or third and two instead of third and eight. And you know you can you can get away with that in college. Just keep you know what was it Hank Stram keep matriculating the ball down the field. <laughs> you know, and it plays it plays into the running game that that we seem to have this year that we didn't last year. Getting three yards on a busted pass play will go a long long way in in kind of hanging on to possession. I think very quickly. What did you like? against Alabama. I I really liked the defense. I I thought the secondary fell victim to some incredible incredible catches that no Big 10 team is going to is going to kind of hit them with. And and I was impressed with the pressure that we got up front. I know we we talked about the the thin defensive line um but you know, Alabama has some very very, you know, their their new kind of first year starters are typically much more mature. Right. Much more kind of highly regarded and, and physically 
just better off going into college than than you know what we're used to seeing in the Big Ten. I I really I really genuinely thought the defense was good and and you know the the receivers dropping passes is something that hopefully corrects itself and that might just get back to the to the afraid to fail thing. I mean there's you probably don't want to underestimate the pressure on the receivers too in this quarterback thing. They don't want to be the ones that are that are kind of you know causing more turmoil. Right. You, uh, if it wasn't the defense, what, what do you think? You know, and I also want to say the Big Ten is terrible, and I, yeah, I have a general the sense thing. that the, the season might be okay. The, kind of the, the general health of things I'm concerned about, but the season might actually be just fine. I, and I think that's an important point that even if this is sort of a, <clears throat> you know, you look at them and it's sort of unfair after playing Alabama, but you look at them and you say, eh, it's sort of an eight win, seven win team. The Big Ten sucks, at least at this point in the season, looking around. It's Wisconsin and a bunch of other, like, who knows. Mm-hmm. Nebraska is probably good, but, eh, you know, Ohio State probably going to be good by the time we see them, but they almost lost to Toledo. And then, you'll, you know, you'll keep looking around, and Iowa lost to Iowa State. Who, who are the other big teams on the schedule? Purdue lost to Rice. Minnesota, Minnesota lost to New Mexico State. What the fuck was that? I, I don't know. Brian and, Cook in the, this weekend Schadenfreude um, accurately said the Big Ten spent the weekend throwing up on itself. And that's about right. Yeah, and you know, it, and it could have been so much worse. If Ohio we, State, if Ohio State loses, Michigan, Michigan. I mean, they, they <laughs> which, yeah. I mean, it could have been a disaster. It was bad the way it was, but it could have been an utter disaster. I like the offensive line, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't think they performed terribly. They got they got a few nice a few nice uh, creases for Silas. Brandon Beecham wasn't very effective, um, but they, they I mean Bolden got hit a lot. I also like how Bolden, instead of freaking out when he was about to be tackled, was standing in, taking hits, throwing the ball. That happened at least three or four times where he had a guy either on him, you know, like physically touching him, trying to get him down, or just about to be hit. And he was just standing in there throwing the ball. Yeah, he was – I thought he was fantastic in that sense. But he – I just don't want him to get hurt. No. And also, can we not sit the McGloins and the Boldens next to <laughs> How like awkward that? is that? Whose decision was that? That's um, a terrible, terrible uh, idea. I would imagine that that decision was made by somebody at Penn State. I can't see them doing that voluntarily. And they're man, prob- that they're must probably like have look, the front row as opposed to the back. So I, I imagine that somebody in the Penn State uh, sports information hierarchy said, "Like, look, ABC or ESPN or Big Ten Network's going to show you on TV." And, I mean, they've been showing Bolden's father on television for for you know two years now. And wouldn't it be nice if you were sitting together, even if you're not talking to each other? <laughs> I, I just it's, can't it's, even it's imagine. Very, very awkward. Maybe that is, you know, who knows? I, I can't, I cannot see that happening organically. And you know, I, they, I, I would expect them to be very friendly with each other and, and very hospitable. But not, you know, you have two moms up there, kind of, you know. Yeah. Their kids. I, you t- know. I tell you, my mom wouldn't go for that. No, I mean, you're, you're <laughs> just your, your natural instincts are to are to have like you know reactions to things and it's not 
it's not the kind of thing you want to be sharing uh, with the mother of the with the competing quarterback. Yeah, I just couldn't. I couldn't believe that. It, it's yeah. Those it, poor, those poor like poor parents. <laughs> not envious of that. Hopefully, the last time that that we see that on ABC. So are we going to beat Temple? <laughs> this is going to be one of those games, isn't it? Where it's it's seventeen to three, and then you know it's halftime, and it's seventeen to ten, and then it's and then we just kind of get comfortable with eight minutes left by you know eight or nine points. I'm not looking forward to it. To be honest <laughs> with you, I I think that I, we will. I have, I, have this, I have the same sense about this as you do. I, I think what will happen is the the defense will give up the early score too on some creative play calling, which is pretty typical. I think the offense will be slow as we do the kind of bold and the groin, bold and the groin thing. And then we'll probably, hopefully, you know, the defense will lock in. And I, I do think with our running game, you know, if you can't run against Temple, which I think we can, yeah. um, I'm not anticipating it being fun, but I, I do suspect that that we just barely cover the seven and a half point spread. That's that's sort of at at this point in the week. That's sort of where I am too. I I, I think I think they're going to have enough to get it done in the very end. I'm not looking forward to watching this game at all. No, <laughs> especially not in the stadium. I, I, I'm going and I'm going to have fun, and it'll be nice to be in Philly. But uh, it, it's going to be. Yeah, I, I have a feeling it's going to be a, a heart heart wrenching experience, a gut wrenching experience, yeah. a, a brain wrenching experience. Whatever it is, <laughs> it's, it's it's gonna it's gonna be bad and good and bad and hopefully good in the end. And then after that, we get ready for Eastern Michigan. And um, my 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 sincere hope is that by by the time the game actually comes around this weekend. It's actually going to be Bolden's team, and he'll take the first, like, six series, like the whole first half. And I just I just hope he doesn't squander it, because then we're back to square one again. Yeah, I mean, he, he has a chance to do that, and then there's also the, you know, the legitimate chance that the McGoin has a good game. And yeah. the other wild card is the play calling, which, yeah. uh, you know, you don't want to you're not going to run the same four plays for each guy's each series. So it's kind of going to be inherently harder to compare, but yeah, I, I, I don't understand <laughs> the decision to keep the ore, but I also, uh, I'm also very kind of concerned about, about who, who can and can't persevere in terms of just taking control of this thing already. Yeah. I'm trying not to read too much into the ore, but, um, I don't know. We'll see. It, we'll, we'll see if the, uh, the on-field actions match the uh, the depth chart. And now I'm officially out of voice, so <laughs> let's totally end this right now, and I'll talk to you next week. Yep.
living off borrowed time, the clock tick faster. That'll be the hour they knock the slick blaster. Dick dastardly and muttly with sick laughter. A gunfight and they come to cut the mix master. I see E. Cole, nice to be old. Why two G's D twice to threefold? He sold scrolls, low and behold. Know who's the illest ever, like the greatest story told. Keep your glory golden glitter. For half, half of his niggas will take him out the picture. The other half is rich and it don't mean shit to. Feeling a mixture between both with a twist of liquor, chasing with more beer. Tasting like truth for dear when he at the mic. It's like the place get like, oh yeah. It's like they know what's about to happen. Just keep your eye out like eye, eye capping. Is he still a fly guy clapping if nobody ain't hear it? And can they testify from in the spirit? And living the true gods. Giving y'all nothing but the lick like two broads. Got more lyrics in the church, got ooh lords. And they hold the mic in your attention like two swords. Or you the one with two blades on it. Hey you, don't touch the mic like it's AIDS on it. Yeah, it's like the end to the means. Fuck type of message that sends to the fiends. That's why he bring his own needles. And get more cheese than Doritos, Cheetos, or Fritos. Slip like Freudian. Your first and last step to playing yourself like accordion. He at the mic, you don't go next. Leaving pussy cats like why hoes need Protex. Exercise index won't need bow flex and won't take the one with no skinny legs like Joe Tex.